Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, it, it's a very somber day here in Trillbillies land. It truly, um, it's been a somber week. Fucking fuck. We're here to, we are here to mourn the death of a um, beloved American figure, someone who made a lasting mark on political life and culture. And I just don't think the world will be the same without him. By that, I'm referring to Walter Mondale, a Democratic <laughs> presidential candidate in 1984. Um, and what was he? Was he Carter's vice president? Probably most famous Carter's. for losing to Clinton in uh, 92, right? Or 96, rather. Must have been. He was a former vice president, but I don't, I can't. I think it was Jimmy Carter. Yeah, he was. Jimmy Carter's it was, yeah. yeah. The joke I was <laughs> making was presidency. mixing him up with Bob Dole. <laughs> There's a couple of guys that, that kind of, you know, like uh, that Dan Quayle, yeah, Walter yeah, Mondale. Yeah. Like, you talk about like 80s, 90s, like, yeah. Just marginal political figures, you know what I mean? <laughs> Honestly, that's what you want. If you can skate through politics without drawing much attention, that's probably a, a sign of a victory, honestly. I think, though, that's, like, antithetical to, like, being an American politician, though, because I feel like they want the opposite thing. They want as much attention as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I still can't get over Jimmy Carter's ass out here with... I mean, he's like 90, and he's still out here building habitat for humanity houses. This man. It's like your friend Donovan, man, you know? They can't quit. They can't quit. They can't fucking quit. I wonder if if Jimmy's going to be adversely affected by, like, he's just going to be so mournful of Walter Mondale's passing that it's like, it's that's what finally does him in, you know? (laughs) Anything anything but Fritz Mondale. (laughs) (laughs) He dies of a broken heart. Yeah. Oh man. Oh damn yeah. Y'all, I meant to oh. tell you, we got a really nice care package in the mail from Seattle. Dang. I need to figure out a way to split it all up. I've already took out the stuff I want, of course. So I'll send this <laughs> left to you all. You got first dibs. We get the scraps. I got first dibs, but I only took a fourth of the goods. Okay. Okay. But we'll have to there's a huge thing of dried salmon we'll have to split up. A dried salmon. I won't fight y'all for that. <laughs> yeah, my, my girlfriend's cat would like that. I'll grab it for my girlfriend's cat. <laughs> with that shit. Tanya, just give just give me the goddamn uh, bubble wrap to pop, and that's good enough for me. Um, I already set aside the bath salts for you and the soaps, bub. I know you. Uh, I know what you like. Thank you. <laughs> um. Well, we we have a. A fun episode today, uh, weaving in and out of the um, halls of American liberal power. So maybe it was fitting to open up with Walter Mondale there. Um, I wanted to talk about this week uh, several different things, several different American liberal figures. Um, I think a good starting point would be that just this week... um, the UMWA, they did not announce this, but it was not really, but it was reported in the press that the UMWA was coming out in support finally of a just transition. <laughs> After all these years, they finally come around to it. Cecil finally came around, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, 
so you know luckily they put it in our local newspaper so i don't even have to bring it up on my phone i can just read it straight into the paper like we're at the dairy queen hey i'm by a straight no chase um united mine workers backs shift from coal and swap for jobs that's the headline um the nation's largest coal miners union said this week it would accept President Joe Biden's plan to move away from coal and other fossil fuels in exchange for a true energy transition that includes thousands of jobs in renewable energy and spending on technology to make coal cleaner. Um, Cecil Roberts, president of the United Mine Workers, said ensuring jobs for displaced miners, including 7,000 coal workers who lost their jobs last year, is crucial to any infrastructure bill taken up in by congress um he said we talk about a just transition all all the time i wish people would quit using that there's never been a just transition in the history of the united states um this was nice cecil (laughs) getting it in um basically what is needed this is joe manchin that this was announced along with joe manchin um oh that's a joe manchin quote no, that was a Cecil Roberts quote, oh, quote but this was, this was Joe all... Manchin finally joined on board. Yeah, we're going to get to that in just a minute um, uh, to Joe Manchin. But um, this was announced at a pr- uh, press club event. I guess this is in West Virginia. Um Joe Manchin said measures to help coal miners in West Virginia and other rural states must be part of the $2.3 trillion infrastructure package taking shape in Congress. Basically, what is needed is the human infrastructure, Manchin said. You can't leave anybody behind, especially those in this hard-hit state, which has lost thousands of jobs in mining and other resources. Right. And, 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 and doesn't, deserve, <laughs> doesn't deserve a $15 minimum wage, according to me. Yeah. He's been leaving <laughs> right. these workers behind his whole entire career. Exactly. Um, this is rich. Yeah. He says, I, I can tell you how West Virginia feels. We feel like returning Vietnam veterans, Manchin said. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you mean, yeah. I thoroughly debunked trope. Just not real. It did not yeah, happen. Only villages with, <laughs> without prejudice, they deserve clean jobs. <laughs> A better comparison. A better comparison would be: we feel like the Vietnamese after the war. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I have so many questions. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. One, Terrence, can I ask? Do you consider Joe Manchin? a liberal power figure or whatever you said earlier i mean no i mean i don't know i guess it depends Uh, he is conservative definitely but he is a democrat they do the dems the dems fucking love him so i mean yeah so it's hard to it's hard categorize him obviously he's like a culture war conservative uh i do think that he has demonstrated in the past, a willingness to use government in a way that some conservatives don't, but that that is not in any way a compliment on him, just an observation. So mm. I, I guess I would consider him a, a, a centrist. I don't even fucking know. Tom, Tom's the mansion expert over here. That's right. Mancini. 
Mancini. Yeah, yeah. I'd categorize him as a self-hating Italian. <laughs> Changing that name from anglicizing that name from Mancini, the beautiful name like Mancini to Mansion. Come on, fuck out here. <laughs> no, he's obviously a conservative. I mean, motherfucker. I mean, I mean, it's something I've yelled about a million times. But like, when all those chemical spills happen in West Virginia, but the Dupont in Parkersburg and all that stuff. All that shit got to the Canal River. This motherfucker went, conferred with the DuPont executives and all these other chemical executives, and uh, basically got them off off the hook for like millions and millions of dollars in fines from from uh, I, I assume the EPA or, or, or you know whoever. Um, so yeah, that's there's nothing. There's nothing even liberal about that. I mean, liberals at least, yeah. you know, liberals at least walk the walk with like the sort of like the empty rhetorical gestures to environmentalism. This guy is like yeah. dyed in the wool coal. You know, I think he's the second biggest uh, recipient of campaign finance money from the coal industry behind um, God, some guy in Ohio. I can't remember. Maybe oh, Rob wow. or somebody. I can't remember. But in any case, um that's you know that's as, as a democrat <laughs> he's the yeah, second yeah. biggest uh -huh. recipient of coal funds as, as a democrat not even republican and so, tom you're tom's not even this isn't even like a random fact you keep pulling out tom i fully believe that every day you think about the dupont chemicals in your body tissue <laughs> <laughs> well there's something called called uh c8 that we all have in us <laughs> I mean, every one of us sitting here. It doesn't matter. We got. I mean, I probably got more of it. That probably explains my prostate issues. And... That's what I. That's what I named my dildo. Ca. It's probably made out of it. Yeah, I just wonder why doesn't he just like become a Republican? Like, I I feel like I like when I started like paying attention to like national politics, I was kind of just waiting for like him to eventually like leave the democratic party like that one straw like that Jim Justice, back. yeah i was like and there's yeah. a there's a good west virginia history of it it's uh there's a a well-paved road for him to flip to flip red <laughs> but he seems to like being in this spot where he's like a kingmaker where like because people we people all joking around like president like joe manchin because you know him and kristen cinema and a couple of these other ghouls are like you know, that point, I guess that flex point, the Democratic Party, which is like, which way are they going to go? You know, yeah. they keep they help them to keep towing like, you know, the neoliberal corporate line. So I guess he just likes I guess he just likes lording over people in that little like fiefdom that he has in the Senate. Yeah, you know? yeah I, I, as part, I think he's kind of the Republicans man on the inside. <laughs> you know what i mean it's like yeah. uh yeah he, he like the stuff that doesn't really matter he's like you know he'll just go with the dims on but like the stuff that's crucial he's got a caucus with the republicans on yeah i want to see his dms with uh, mitch mcconnell i wonder what that looks like there oh, yeah. what is he talking about with mitch mcconnell there? um yeah i mean for you're right he is a conservative but he's a democrat which means that the democrats have to work with him um yeah. Uh, and in the past couple of weeks, he, as you said, Tom, he's like carved a niche in the past couple of months, really carved out a niche for himself. And the media plays along with it, where he will come out and make a statement of vague support of something like in February. He talked about he might be open to reforming the filibuster, but then literally a, uh, a month later said, I will never under any circumstances inter even entertain the idea of it. 
and the bait and the press always bites on this every single time and they're like and they're like oh my god he's really gonna do it um another i mean to that point terrence another thing that happens is joe manchin stays in offers of like do you remember when he was floated as secretary of state under obama because he's such a problem for the democrats oh that they, my god and then like now like biden's named his wife i guess the what the head of the arc oh that's right jesus so the dim yeah. like like he stays in a little you know lignot from the from the from the democratic party just because uh he's so cagey you know yeah they have to grease him up jesus i I, the ring. I actually think it's pretty significant that cecil roberts has called for a rebrand of just transition at the end of the use of the words just transition i'm a little surprised i haven't seen that in a headline or two <laughs> I, I see it a little differently honestly i see it as kind of an abject failure of the umwa to be honest with you it's like imagine imagine in a you're, long line of them. Imagine you're a worker in a union and the main figure has yelled and hemmed and hawed for like, you know, friends of coal, like these reactionary talking points from like industry lobbies for years, right? And filed the whole fucking union under the banner of that shit. And then all of a sudden, now you're the just transition guy because because there is no industry to speak of. There's not a single UMWA represented coal miner working in Kentucky, and that's been true for years and years and years. Yeah. Mm. So I don't know. I just UMWA's been a piece of shit for a long time, and I'm saying this as the grandson oh, yeah. of a shop steward. <laughs> so mm. um, no, definitely. And I've even talked to some of the um, UM, some of the last UMWA organizers in Kentucky. They're of course very old men now, and they even admit they're just like we fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, they're like, we fucked it right up. Um, well, so what he's done as this uh, rebrand, as you call it, Tanya, um, is they've offered like the, in their own plan, the UMWA, and they're releasing it with Manchin. Um, what, it, what it does is it puts forward or it calls for significant expansion of tax incentives for renewable energy and preference in hiring for dislocated miners, full funding for programs to plug old oil and gas wells and clean up abandoned mines, and continued incentives to develop so-called carbon capture and storage technology that traps carbon dioxide produced by burning fossil fuels and stores it underground. I'm for innovation, not elimination of coal, Manchin said, adding that even mm. if coal was reduced to zero in the United States, thousands of carbon-polluting coal mines would still operate in China and other countries. It's not North America climate. It's global climate. So, Wow. Let's I love that rationale, dude. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're not going to be taking care of their shit, so why the fuck would we We might as well be burning it too, baby. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I want to... I want to take this apart a little bit because the media, like I said, the media picked up on this and reported it as if, oh, my God, this is incredible. This is a groundbreaking moment. The <laughs> UMWA is finally supporting the just transition. Um, but if you read between the lines um, and, and someone pointed out, this is at the House Red, their editor for StrikeWave, um, everything in the plan they released is already UMWA policy. And most of it is clean coal stuff. So um, part two parts of this, the major parts of it that call for tax incentives for renewable energy, 
are literally just call by renewable energy. They're talking about carbon sequestration and clean coal. Um, and, and so, I mean, like Tom and I did a whole episode about, uh, what is it called? CCS. It's about the place in Mississippi. Yeah. About the, uh, the Kemper power plant. Yeah. Yeah. Which was the most expensive power plant that's ever been built. Um, and it was a total boondoggle. I think it's premium episode 101, but it's, uh, you know, it was Obama and I think 2010 came out with his like clean, um, it wasn't the clean power plan that eventually got passed in like 2016 or whatever, but he was calling for carbon sequestration and clean coal technology as an olive branch to the coal industry. And it was just a complete failure. I mean, the thing about clean coal is that it is literally a, a, a scam. Yeah, it's it's in the terms of legitimacy, it falls somewhere between chiropractic and Reiki healing. <laughs> <laughs> and, you're, okay, and, you're, and you're talking and you're talking to a guy right, that now Wait, my girlfriend does reiki healing hold on hold on hold up hey go ahead tanya get him are you into reiki healing tanya no but feels like i mean i am into it i haven't um well i'll tell you this this might not even be right considered reiki healing but when i was so heartbroken I did literally carry a rose quartz around on my chest. <laughs> I have and now I have a necklace with it on it that hits me right at my heart chakra. Is that right? Is that Reiki healing? I don't know. Listen, <laughs> I, I well, you've missed the the last part of that. As I said, and this is coming from a guy that now practices transcendental meditation. So, yeah, <laughs> this exactly. Is true. Like this is true. I'm, I'm no stranger to the woo woo. <laughs> I just, I mean. <laughs> But here, here's my point. We have no health care in this country. <laughs> we, if 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 it uh, if it behooves you to put yourself on a prayer list, put a stone on your chest and every once in a while. Fuck. I agree with you. Yeah, why not? Well, spread it around. No, no disrespect to any uh, you healers. Know, it, we need more healers, not less. So you're saying that if you are feeling depressed, you can also do a little bit of clean coal carbon sequestration that's all i was sure, saying why Tanya. Not? Why not? we need a plurality of tactics as you said yeah yeah <laughs> clean, coal, clean coal cures depression yeah <laughs> don't dig yourself up some coal from the hillside and gasify it in your living room or just have yourself a little devil's milkshake why not <laughs> gasify in your living room make sure all your windows are closed it will cure your depression <laughs> rather much permanently like, much like sylvia plath <laughs> <laughs> i mean honestly though if you're not healing any if if i do anything i do if it's not healing me any if it's making me even sicker i hope it just gets me closer to death at this point <laughs> yeah yeah either cure me or kill me goddamn yeah. Uh, yeah. um <laughs> Oh, well, okay. Um, I, I say I struck a nerve. Let me say somewhere between <laughs> chiropractic and carnival games. There, I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait, hold up. About the carnival game. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a carny. My favorite childhood fish <laughs> I got right. from the carnies. Oh God. Um. So, so yeah. So, um, basically, what this amounts to is just a call for clean coal. Uh, sequestration technology 
And like I said, the Kemper power plant is quite literally a Potemkin village. Um, <laughs> like in DeKalb County, Mississippi. It's like, like I said, Tom and I did a whole episode about it. Um, but, uh, but the liberals love this. And we don't know what Biden's like clean energy plan is going to be yet. I don't think they've released it yet. But we said that in that episode, and I'm going to say it now, I really wouldn't be surprised if a big portion of it wasn't clean coal because they love it. it it's the perfect olive branch to the uh, to the coal miners, to the coal industry executives, um, and it allows – they don't have to do anything. You know what I'm saying? Like they just leave it up to the market basically and offer some tax incentives for it, but they don't have to invest in any kind of large-scale – mobilization of resources for like solar technology wind anything like that i don't know and the branding i mean i don't i don't really know i should go back and listen to that episode because i don't really know a lot about like clean coal but i mean just the branding makes it sound like like yeah this is a move away from like you know uh you know extractive like you know resources that like pollute you know our air and water and shit like, you know, you throw clean in front of it. I think Trump was running with that for a bit, you know? He kept throwing around clean coal because mm -hmm. for people who don't know, which is most people in the country, it sounds like a, you know, a better alternative, a more sustainable alternative than what we have now. Oh yeah, they've been trying to uh, make it catch on for decades now. Do y'all remember, do y'all remember the first Obama campaign, like turning on CNN and like watching the debates and stuff and like the clean coal commercials mm -hmm. were like every fucking where. Like they this bought is, out a whole UK basketball game that costs like a million dollars. It's uh, <laughs> fuck. It's 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 like it's this has been around for a while, and the crazy thing is, is it's like there's there like Terrence is talking about this facility, this Kemper facility in Mississippi. Like their big overture to prove that it worked was a colossal failure, but like it's like they've been beating it into us now for well, I guess what 12, 13 years now. That it's like hell people are still buying carbon credits this country's so <laughs> people are selling carbon credits right now <laughs> as we drink our juice this morning carbon credits are being traded <laughs> well so speaking of speaking of mansion there was something i wanted to bring to y'all's attention where are we at on time because my recording stopped and i'm already stressed about it <laughs> oh i'm sorry uh it's 15 43 yeah no i mean like how much time have we recorded oh already? 35 minutes that's what i okay. got anyway all right um so i wanted to read this profile of chuck schumer that was in new york magazine for you guys oh my god dude mm, must, oh we, boy. must uh, we but before we before we do that i have to check has nancy sought treatment for her uh, uti yeah <laughs> did it cause her to say that north floyd sacrificed himself yeah justice? you're getting you're ahead doing? of the bit I'm here i'm sorry taking us through the halls of Congress. Sorry. Let me do my yeah, job. You do yours. Sorry. Go ahead, MC. Go ahead, MC. Cut it out. Cut it out. We're back in line. I got, too, it, I got too high. I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> you just say um, Schumer. It's just the first thing that popped in my head. Sorry. Carry on. I just, I, I really, 
really did notice this week, and I guess you all would ju- would laugh at this because I'm sure you already noticed a long time ago is because I watched uh, anyway, I listened to some other podcasts this week, which I never do, and I shouldn't do, honestly. <laughs> but all we, like we really are just spending so many wheels hating these motherfuckers. Oh yeah, talking talking about them, reading what stupid shit they say and do. God help us. Well, you're right. So episode's over. You can, uh, <laughs> <we're not laughs> go home. Cut that out too. Never thought of it that way. Never thought of it that way. I know you all already know this, but I just kind of was like, damn, this is what we do. Uh, yeah, because these idiots are always going to do dumb, like, ghoulish shit. Yeah. Well, they're comic. Like, the Republicans aren't really comedic because they are bloodthirsty maniacs. Yeah. Like, idealistic rubes are fun to laugh at. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. there is yeah, something. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's, yeah, that is true. What are they, uh... It does bring us some joy. You are correct. <laughs> um, well, now that I've justified the entire raison d'etre of this episode, <laughs> let us now embark on a journey that will be sure to fail to deliver because Tanya has raised the stakes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just cut it out. <laughs> um, this is in New York Magazine. Uh, Chuck Schumer has changed. Why is the former angry centrist pushing his party to go bigger, bolder, and more progressive? Is this like when uh, um, Brett and Gail ask (laughs) why uh, Biden is such a socialist? (laughs) I mean, basically, yeah. The gist of this article is that Chuck Schumer has now moved left. Um, So uh, let's see. He late one Wednesday last month, Chuck Schumer padded around his inner office in the Capitol in black socks decorated with palm trees. <laughs> That's a nice detail. He's faithful. God. Um, tended his fireplace and conceded a few seconds of self-reflection. It was the end of a long day on the hill, and the building, ringed by armed guards and a wide perimeter of razor wire topped fencing, was mostly empty. About a week earlier, the Senate had passed one of the largest stimulus bills in American history to provide pandemic relief. The measure passed largely thanks to his exhaustive effort to marshal all 50 votes in his caucus. He had performed a months-long balancing act that had, for a few high-wire hours, threatened to topple at the hands of his old colleague and on-again-off-again friend, Joe Manchin, before Schumer succeeded in backing off the West Virginia Democrat at the last second. I'm an optimist, Schumer said. He told me the Senate Democrats were adopting a new slogan. Failure is not an option. But he continued quietly. Failure could actually still come, quote, if our caucus, if our entire caucus doesn't see the need to pull together to make these changes. So um, it goes through here, talks a little bit about like what Schumer's trying to do. I thought he had a really hilarious quote here. Like the the interviewer was asking them, asking him like how he does it. And he says, I have more energy for it than I've ever had. More enthusiasm because it's so important. I don't stop. It's just like Yeah, yeah. It, it's it important, important for you to keep your seat and I not get beat stop. by a progressive man in a primary and like I wear whimsical years. socks even. 
actually, did you know they're weed? They're weed plants. They're actually <laughs> weed leaves, yo. Because <laughs> I helped push through legalization tree. in New York. Um. So yeah. So I mean, I I don't know. Anytime someone says like it's so important what I do, it just I don't know. It raises some eyebrows. Like interesting. <laughs> like, um. So, like, the portrait that this article paints of January 6th is pretty funny um, because a lot of this article focuses on that event. And it kind of is the event that radicalized Chuck Schumer and a lot of other people, including Kamala Harris. Because the framing of this article is that the Trump presidency, along with January 6th, is what pulled them to the left. He says that he had been slightly radicalized by the Trump era. He and Harris were now far less concerned. <laughs> An acceptable amount, though, people. <laughs> An accept the, the minimum effective dose of radicalization. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Microdose of radicalization. Yeah, like my serotonin. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, so he and Harris were far, now far less concerned about bipartisanship as a standalone virtue than even a few years earlier. Um, two months before we spoke, on the morning of January 6th, Schumer got in his car in Park Slope around 7 a.m., having slept just three hours. He'd spent the previous evening on Tinder hooks, obviously, he said, pouring over maps and data from Georgia. On what? Um, t- on what? Tinder hooks. I don't know. It's I thought you said Tinder at first. I, I did, was... too. I was like, <laughs> I thought that's what you said, but I was like, no, nah, you couldn't have said that. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a curveball. <laughs> Um, how many folks are in Chatham County? What's the black turnout in DeKalb County? This is what he says. Um, where a pair of runoffs were determined to determine control of the Senate. He'd gone to bed after the Reverend Raphael Warnock was declared the winner of one race, but with the second, John Ossoff, or Ossoff looking good, though technically still up in the air. Unless something drastic changed, he'd become Senate Majority Leader. My first You're reaction fucking is- You're fucking welcome. You're fucking welcome, Um Forgot John Ossoff's in the Senate. <laughs> like this forgot is he a- was my senator for a minute. Yeah. This is a funny scene that this whole thing paints. Like, I didn't realize that it had become clear that Ossoff, Warnock, and Biden were all declared winners while the gates were being torn down outside of the Capitol steps. And Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi were being herded into some like, you know, panic room somewhere. Oh my God. I mean, like, (laughs) that is a pretty fascinating portrait of contemporary America. Am I wrong? It's true. No. Jesus Christ. Like, these milk toast, like, moderate guys are who were electing as the gates are being torn down in the barbarian storm. by yes. reactionary <laughs> yeah, it's so funny that's like that is so goddamn funny to think about like the the i mean i hate to talk about the overton window but the shift is that so much that people are storming the bastille over john ossoff <laughs> <laughs> a guy who who like in that interview remember that interview before he got elected like every no. progressive measure. No, 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 no. Nope, nope, nope. nope. And then some guy that owns a goddamn tractor supply in Arkansas said, by God, I won't stand for this. <laughs> so, I know I've said this before, but I've met this man because I worked on his congressional campaign when he ran for Congress. Uh, he had Lucy McBath seat now. 
and he is the most underwhelming. Like he's like canned spam in a suit with the limpest, <laughs> moistest handshake ever. Like he's so uninteresting and, and forgettable, man. So I a limp, moist handshake. Say no yeah. more. It's Woo! like shaking a dead fish, man. It's disgusting. <laughs> Fucking disgusting. Uh, he's that senator, though. You know, so, you know. Yeah, respect I, So I like how. Schumer talks about this event. I mean, it kind of gives you an insight into his personality. Um, he said, within an hour, this is on January 6th, a police officer came up from behind him in a big, fat, bulletproof vest, submachine gun sta- strapped around his waist, and he grabs me like this, firmly, by the collar. I'll never forget that grab. He says, Senator, we're in danger. <laughs> Got to get out of here. It was only then, secured in the overrun capital with McConnell and a crew of heavily armed guards, that Schumer learned Ossoff's race had been called and that he would officially run the Senate. So he learned in that moment that he would be Senate. As he's, get, as he's getting yoked oh up. <laughs> he's getting that, yoked uh, up by some brute. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's true because I, I tweeted what I thought was some of my finer work. Remember the picture from the from the Capitol siege of the people climbing over the wall? <laughs> I didn't know what was going on necessarily. I just thought it was some like, you know, like they were just acting out on the Capitol steps or something. And I'm just, I'm put in line, people in line to go vote their ass off. Oh my God. And then people were like, oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> I was like, why well, is that? I thought it was good. I'm telling you, man, all those libs indicator were so excited and rabid to vote for him, man. Oh my God. Um, They're willing to storm the Capitol. Schumer tried painting the picture for me. We were within 25 feet of these. He turned to an aide and asked, Am I allowed to curse in front of him? Insufficiently dissuaded, he continued, These bastards, okay? These horrible people. He said, Can I say bastards in an interview? <laughs> These hooligans. <laughs> yeah. He said, they are the extreme, the worst, but some of their sentiment is in many people sour, angry, blaming, divisive, because they don't have a positive path forward. Oh my God. Which fault's that, Chuck? Yeah. Because of who, Chuck? Fucking I love when that. they say divisive. It's like, who's being, who created the initial divisions? I love how they can divorce like their job performance from like the conditions of the country. <laughs> like they have that dissonance. Like like they like they don't shape this shit. Well, that's why they make tweets, man. Like they'll tweet about shit, and it's like, yo, motherfucker, aren't you in control of like what happens? Yeah, why are you just tweeting? <laughs> Jesus. Um, he said he flashes back to that day a lot. Like he has nom flashbacks about that day. <laughs> Frequently. They're, they're like all a thousand yard stare for PTSD <laughs> after January 6th. He says, The first time you say to yourself, Well, they elected Trump, not because they thought he'd win, but because they didn't like Hillary. But he got 70 effing million votes the second time. He said, effing. <laughs> 70 effing million votes the second time. And he's a horror. So all the time. <laughs> uh, wait, wait, wait. He, he said effing? Yeah, he said effing. So he's he got seventy effing effing million votes. Wow! Yeah. Wow! <laughs> um, <laughs> go ahead, no, you go ahead. It, it just amazes me that like they're so oblivious 
and like you know disconnected that they can't even imagine that there are like tens of millions of people out there who literally hate them to the point of wanting to like assassinate them like it just amazes me that he's like 78 effing million votes like yeah he did because look at the job look at the job you guys have been doing you know look at the state that the country's in it has been in for a very long time it just amazes me how out of touch they are yeah Yeah. it feels like so like i said there's a direct quote in in this article earlier about how he says he was slightly radicalized by the trump era um he says that's uh, the biggest oxymoron slightly radicalized (laughs) moderately so yeah Yeah. it's like jumbo shrimp Um, he says the world has changed. Income inequality is a huge problem in America. Uh, he has been spotted wearing a cancel student debt mask. He says he wants to cancel up to $50,000 in student debt. Now, is there an asterisk on that mask? And then like an explanation of what he really means by that somewhere like, yeah, out of sight on the strings going around his head. Um, Isn't he like a beneficiary of like one of the biggest beneficiaries of Wall Street, like in the Senate? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's talking about. I mean, he's a senator from New York. Like, surely he's pretty tied. He's pretty tied into Wall Street. Um, you know, and it and it just kind of goes on and it talks a, a lot about some of his other plans and the the basically the gist of this article is that Chuck Schumer has is now a lefty. He's a progressive. And I thought it was interesting because the kind of theme of this conversation so far has been like pulling people to the left and if it's possible. And I think that Chuck Schumer is a is a case that it is and Biden himself is a case that it is probably possible, but not in the way that some people think. I'm not sure that it's this like mechanistic thing where you lobby your candidate or your representative or whatever to become more of a leftist. I think that they adopt kind of a more leftist posture to fend off challenges from the left. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yo, he's worried about, I mean, I don't know for sure. I'm not in his head, but I feel like he's worried about someone like AOC, right? Challenging him, right? Right. And like being able to capture and contain this energy, you know, maybe the same thing with folks like Joe Manchin with with the PRO Act so that, you know, they don't get like run out of office in like two years or four when re-election's coming up, you know? I don't know, Aaron. He says you are literally all that's in his head. Young black Georgia voter, you're right in his exactly. head. Exactly. Like I'm, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Aaron Thorpe lives. In you live. Rip you live right free in Chuck Schumer's head, baby. <laughs> I am. I'm fine here. I just got to deal with us off at work. Listen to this podcast called the Trailbillies. I can't stand. We've got this guy on here. He coined the phrase "vote your ass off." <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, this is the thing, like, were they slightly radicalized by the Trump era or were they radicalized by Bernie promising to, you know, I mean, maybe I'm being too, um, you know, maybe I'm being too rosy or whatever about Bernie, but it does kind of seem to me that with Black Lives Matter and with the Bernie movement, that there was a visible leftist movement in this country that was coalescing around something and so it's like were they radicalized by trump or were they radicalized by a rising tide of more radical 
people. It it just makes you wonder. I don't no, know. You, I mean you're you're exactly right about that. I think it is. Uh, they know they can't discount sort of the nascent left movement in this country, and I think they they feel like they have to pay a little lip service to that, particularly in places where they could get primaried by you know an AOC or mm-hmm. you know, whoever it is. Yeah, I mean yeah, that man. I go ahead, Terrence. Go ahead. I, I don't have anything other than I was just going to say, like, you have to ask, I guess, is that is that pulling someone left? No, it feels like pulling. It just feels like like self-preservation. You know, I don't pulling them in what direction. I don't know, but it just seems like self-preservation. I mean, I, I think about this all the time, man, that like Trump said he was going to build a fucking wall across the U.S.-Mexico border and eventually Republicans fell in line. Bernie Sanders said that he just wanted everybody to have health care. And they did oh, everything that they could. Just also, you know, there were you know, problems, obviously, with his campaign. I think anybody could admit, but like they did everything they could to stop him from doing that. So it just seems to me that they're really more scared of like being replaced by a left wing insurgency. Like even the reptilian part of their brains, you know, that maybe they haven't really formalized like these thoughts yet, but it's just like this little fear that they have rather than somebody like Trump, you know? I mean, maybe that sounds crazy, but it really seems like they're more scared of the left than they are of like the far right. Yeah. I, 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 and I don't say all this to discourage people from continuing to like organize and yeah, pull these people left. All I'm saying is mm. it, it just, they have a contradiction in what they want to achieve and what you want to achieve. And I think that you just, just keep that in mind. I'm not saying you stop doing any of the things that anybody's doing. It's just yeah, you, you're right. Cause ultimately it doesn't matter. You know, it, it doesn't matter what Chuck Schumer right. believes morally, you know what I mean? Exactly. As long as you're getting your ends met. Yeah. Right. And, and maybe as a, as a goal, it's, Maybe we should approach it less about moving Chuck Schumer left and more about making Chuck Schumer fear for his life. That would be, I think that's <laughs> yeah. a better, I think that's a better yeah. approach. Honestly, I mean, it worked, it worked on January outcomes. 6th. <laughs> it worked on January 6th in very different ways. So yeah, yeah. it's true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, um, that would probably be a good place to, yes, transition to, uh, yeah, what you... Uh, what you two carnivores were so uh, eager to dine out on, um, Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> um, My girl. So, so yeah, so earlier this week, um, Derek Chauvin was found guilty for murdering George Floyd. The responses from a lot of public officials uh, <coughs> and elected Democrats was very very interesting a lot of very interesting things uh there was the mayor of minneapolis um what is his name jacob frey how to fuck my wife how to fuck my wife um i mean he basically said like his death made the city better um and then what did what did pelosi say she said that uh like thank you for your sacrifice or something yeah he sacrificed his life somehow they are still giving cops credit yeah they are still just crediting cops for any semblance of good in the world 
Yeah, it's like barely George, even good. George Floyd died for a better Minneapolis. That's a, yeah, that's exactly what the that's right. exactly yeah. what his mission was. Yeah, she Man, said thank it, thank you for sacrificing your life for justice. Is what she said. Man, that shit. Yo, when I first saw that, man, I could not like, like one part of me was like, what what part of me without even like, like the whole like pathologizing liberalism and the way they individualize like systemic issues into like, you know, one event of one person so much so that you could like call this man a martyr. You know what I mean? Like it just shows you how unserious you are with these so-called systemic issues. But even more importantly, I was talking to my friend and I was like, yo, we truly do live in a gerontocracy because like, I feel like anyone younger, you know what I mean? And a little bit more like quick witted and minded, you know what I mean? Would understand like, I shouldn't say this because listen to how this sounds, you know? <laughs> right. Like yeah. we just have these people who truly do, I think have those like, you know, like racist like sentiments, but she's not even like in her mind before she says it, like kind of like, okay, let me, let me, how will this appear and sound to other people? She's just literally just spewing at the mouth, man. It's so fucking insane. <sighs> It's 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 part of this sort of continuing trend of Democrats. They say over the top, like sort of flowery, like rhetorical shit. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the motherfuckers that like when they write, they just don't they don't like get down the road or tell a goddamn story. But they have to like couch it. Now, this like just like purpley language. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so what they've done is they just they just keep doing that shit until they contort themselves into a fucked up position because they're more <laughs> concerned with the style of giving a rousing speech other than like real conviction about anything. You know, they, yeah. they have no, there's nothing going on inside of them. Nothing. <laughs> Yeah. They are they're they're like pleasure centers are are null and void. They have there's nothing happening. Yeah. You're exactly right. I'd never really thought about it before. That but they um they love to try to like poeticize like despair and suffering and stuff. They like try to put this sort of like flowery language around it to imbue it with some kind of meaning. Mm -hmm. Um to sound like they're saying something profound because like they, they obviously can't critique the system and they can't admit that these deaths are just completely meaningless and unnecessary. So they, well, they have to be held responsible too. If they did that, exactly. they would have to indict yeah. themselves. So, yeah, so they have to like, they have to kind of like, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, I hate to say this. I, I, I don't fully uh, hold this person responsible for this, but I think that, one of the main progenitors of this is Ta-Nehisi Coates. Like, I don't, I mean, yeah. his writing for the Atlantic all throughout the sort of early Ferguson period was just like the most like sort of like, you know, and he's a good writer. So he does mm -hmm. it well, but mm -hmm. these people, they don't. So they, so they can't sort of like poeticize any of it. You're, you know what I mean? Like they can't make it or what, I don't know. But I think that you're right, Tom, that is the kind of impulse they're operating on. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, um, <laughs> yeah it's 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 they just yeah, it's so funny to see like dumb people it's like just dumb people trying to sound smart you know what i mean it's like they talk like they're trying to make a, the word count on a fucking paper by adding all this sort of over-the-top language and they poeticize the suffering and all this other stuff it's like there's no nobility in suffering furthermore y'all are charged with 
alleviating that. So like yeah. you're talking yeah. about systemic issues. It's like, that's on you. <laughs> yeah. There's no yeah. way they see themselves as charged with alleviating suffering. Because no, they've, that's, they've that's advocated. Go ahead, Darren. I'm sorry. No, that's why they call him a martyr though, because it's like, it's not a war that they started. Right. Like it's like the same way that they think poverty is just like kind of a natural occurrence. Right. Like systemic racism is just like a natural occurrence. So of course there are martyrs. Like we've had several. Right. And this is the one case where like a cop was convicted and like, this means that, you know, like the system works as well. That's another thing I saw people pulling out that, Oh, this proves that the system works because this cop is going to jail as if like, he, he would have even been in that position, right? George Floyd would have been in that fucking position if the system actually did work. You know what I mean? Right. Dude, on that note, that's interesting because a lot of things I saw going around were, and you see this several in other um, circumstances too, but some of the things I saw going around is like, oh, it's a complicated day to be a prison abolitionist. It's a complicated, and it's like, yeah, only if you think that the system can work, only if you think that the system can, if it's operated by the correct people and on the correct ideas that it can work. But it, it, if you are an actual abolitionist, you would find no solace in this conviction because abolitionists don't think that our system rehabilitates people. Right. And so right. only if you, if you're a true abolitionist, no, it wouldn't be complicated for you. It's like even the worst people aren't rehabilitated and the worst, you know, I'm, I hate to use that word, but even the worst deeds aren't rectified or, or rehabilitated through our system. So, no, I mean, I don't know. I don't really find any solace in, in that. You could call it Schadenfreude or karma or something like that. And that's totally fine because that's and it what was funny. Was it was fun to see him as little dumb looking ass go off in handcuffs like yeah. fuck him i'd laugh if he died i mean and you know like i get his family too you know they needed they they they're breathing like a sigh of relief right now but like it's just like i don't know man you, there's no way you could look at this system and as you're saying um terrence like the way that the current criminal justice system works and especially it's like predicated on racism like there's no fucking way that like, you can't look at something like yesterday and just say that, well, this was like throwing him to the wolves, right, to preserve this system. Because if that conviction didn't go through, I don't I don't know what would have happened. I can't predict what happened, but it would have been insane, right? We might have saw like a little flare up like we did in the summer. So it's like they had to do it. Like they had to do it. Yeah, it's that's that's another take that I tend to agree with that was floating around was that like this was sort of like you know, this was like almost like like some new deal, like in the same way the New Deal saved capitalism. This was like <laughs> yeah. they had they yeah. they had to like Absolutely. you know. There's this line from the movie Rounders when Matt Damon and Ed Norton are hustling these fraternity guys in a poker game, and Matt Damon says, "Occasionally, I have to fold the pat hand just so it's not obvious." Mm-hmm. So it's like occasionally they're going to have to convict one of these fuckers just so it's like there's still some plausible deniability that like these are just rogue actors. You know what I mean? Yeah, not that kind exactly. of stuff. So. Yeah, and we talked about this last week about how, um, you know, even Whitesburg's chief of police said that it, that the guy was guilty, you know, a year ago, blah, 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 mm-hmm. all this shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, they had already, like, the narrative was already building that they were going to scapegoat him. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like some of the, you know, now I don't have a finger on the cop pulse you know talk to cops but i do feel like some of the reactions i saw from 
you know, cops online and from cop friendly politicians like Ted Cruz and shit was um, very much like Chauvin uh, deserves a retrial that, you know, that that it wasn't fair um, and blah, 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 which is kind of interesting because, yeah, I do feel like right after that happened, most people were like, this is very blatantly a case of you know, just racist murder. Um, well, and I mean, we know that right as the verdict come down, um, Columbus cops killed a teenage girl in foster care. Terrence, yeah, was it you right, that's, yeah. yeah. Terrence, was it you that said that um, there was some like blue lives matter bullshit right after that? The cops were like doing some blue lives matter bullshit in Columbus. Yeah. I saw it. Yeah. After her death, a couple cops showed up because what happened was they killed this girl and then people came out into the streets and they were like, what the fuck just happened? And so other cops showed up and they started kind of like yelling back and forth. The the protesters, I, I don't really call them protesters, but the people who were coming out to say what's going on here. And then one of the cops, if not several of them popped off blue lives matter and there's video of it. And Jesus I read the New York times fuck. article of it yesterday and they didn't even mention that. Um, but it happened i mean there's literal video of it so i mean i i oh my god yeah you can't reform that man and what? last night sorry you can go ahead go ahead no you go ahead i was go say ahead, last night they released the body cam footage from the murder of anthony thomas at uh austin's high school in knoxville tennessee that happened like i don't even know two weeks ago maybe was it that long Anyway, uh, it's fucking horrific. Um, it shot like a cop shot himself in the leg, and then they shot this kid because the cop shot him fucking self. And and they've already said there's going to be no charges, no charges. Mm. Like it's not even it's like closed case, no no further investigation. And you literally watch this guy just like pop this kid in a high school bathroom. Like it's not even on the streets. He couldn't have even said like. Oh, he thought he was, you know what I mean? He thought he was grown, yeah. whatever. Like, this is a child in crisis in a fucking high school bathroom. And they go in there and execute him and then cuff his friend, his best friend who's with him, pleading, crying for his life, cuff him on the floor and arrest him and take him into questioning for four hours after he watched his friend bleed out on the fucking bathroom floor. Mm. And they're not even nothing, nothing. There's no investigation. They're not doing shit. And people have protested every single day in Knoxville since since it happened. But and they've been asking for body cam footage because there's been so much crazy. At first they said, at first they said the kid shot the cop, but obviously that didn't happen. <laughs> the cop mm. shot himself in the leg, trying to get his gun out of his holster. So now that the body cam footage is out, it's like, and they're just like, no, case, case closed. There's no no further investigation needed. This reminds me, Terrence, you had that tweet, man. It was really good where you said, um, after this cop shot Adam Toledo, he goes up to him and says, hey, man, you all right? And it's like, <laughs> you, you, put, you, put, you put guns in these people's hands and you give them all this training where you like literally train them to see everybody as an enemy and that like their first resort is like lethal force, right? Or, or just the fact that it's just a human being that you're giving them a deadly weapon and throwing them out there in the world with people that they don't know, with the training that like makes them again see everyone as an enemy, and you don't think that like just the most horrible like fucking things are gonna happen, you know, from that. 
and because they have a system that backs them up, they can just fucking get away with it. Like that's like a really like costly like mistake, right? A, a mistake is not even the word to use, but just this the scenario where you would just give these people guns and let them go loose in schools in like communities is just fucking insane, yo. Yeah, it's interesting. The reason I thought of that was because I have a buddy that was in the military. He uh, was in the Iraq war. And I remember he texted me after the Philando Castile video. And um, and he said something that I thought was very fascinating because he, he pointed out, like, if you watch this video, the cop is quite visibly in shock and he can't even believe he just murdered this guy. And that mm. and it's the same thing with the Adam Toledo video. And I was thinking about that. And it's pretty fascinating because most military um, people are trained at this point because this kind I mean, and there's war crimes all the time and they like fucking rape and pillage villages and stuff like that. But our military is actually not trained to do that, mostly because it's a PR thing. And after mm. Vietnam, you know, it's considered like uncouth to just like napalm a village. You have to like mm. do hearts and minds stuff and like work with the population. Like Iraq war was a humanitarian war mm. as, it, as it, it, it tried to be. It obviously wasn't. But you know what I mean? They train the soldiers to be yeah. humanitarian and it's it's all bullshit is what I'm saying. Mm. But they don't even train cops to do that, which is pretty fascinating. Like they literally train cops like they train military people to not see civilians as their enemies, but they train cops to see civilians as their enemies, which is pretty fascinating to me. Like, fuck the military, obviously, but it is pretty yeah. fascinating that they, cops have more, they're imbued more with this idea that everybody is their enemy than even our fucking imperial soldiers are. Exactly. And it's and, exactly. and, and you see the lines, the battle lines being drawn along that, where they've got this idea in their head that like, they are on one side of it and everybody else, you know, that's not, doesn't support the, doesn't back the blue, whatever, whatever is on the other side of it. And, uh, and you see this, I mean, you see like the, you saw the headline this week where they were talking about the Oath Keepers guy was talking about that. There's like police departments training up militias now. <clears throat> yeah. I thought about that. Like, that was the first thing that came to my mind when I saw that video of those cops saying blue lives matter to those people. It's like, you see stuff like that and you kind of like look at it from the long historical perspective. Like these are the things leading up to something really bad. You know what I'm saying? Like these, that this is yeah. a distinct political block now and that they see themselves. I mean, like the fucking the sheriff's department in my hometown that I, you know, fucking make fun of all the time on here. Like they had a, a post this morning on their Instagram page about how some of their sheriffs went down to this like huge conference on the border in Arizona. And there's a photo of them all next to the border wall and they're all decked out and all this fucking gear. And it's like, we're going to be on Fox and friends tonight talking about the border crisis. And it's just like, yeah, nobody wants to talk about it, but like our, our cops are just literally political paramilitaries i mean yeah. and it's it's cliche to say that but they are all politicized <laughs> so i mean like yeah. cops have always been politicized but i i guess it's like they have their own distinct political you know demographic and block of support now well i've been absolutely haunted since you all told me that they shoot they are trained by shooting pictures of their own kids and shit like that so that they don't have yeah. hesitation, so that they don't hesitate. And that's what I'm talking to. That's what I'm talking about. Like the military isn't trained to do that. The military is literally trained to treat civilians as if they are not combatants. And I know that that 
and I know that there are exceptions to that because there was that thing in the Obama years where it's like every male between the age of 18 and 35 was like a terrorist or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but most armed forces aren't trained that way, like because of the history of that, um, even though they do do that. But cops are trained that way and they do it <laughs> indiscriminately. I mean, there was a, I mean, this is like out of like an urban, like war scene. I think it was here in Georgia. I hope I'm not wrong. I think it might've been DeKalb County, but they threw this, I think they were raiding this house for drugs in the middle of the night. And I think it also might've been the wrong house anyway. And this cop throws this flashbang like a uh, grenade into this room where there's a crib with the baby sleeping in it. And like it explodes and like, you know, the baby's disfigured lived, but it's disfigured. And it's like, like, like what kind of training do you have to get? Well, I guess it's the training, like you said, Terrence, where unlike the military, everyone is seen, all civilians are seen as combatants that you could just throw an incendiary device into a room and not even know who's in it, you know? Not they even did, think twice about that. They did that in uh, Washington, D.C. Remember that in the protests last year? They were just going down rows of houses and throwing smoke bombs yeah. in people's windows. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Ferguson, too, man, on people's lawns and shit like that, man. You know, like people are like on their lawns, like trying to find out of their homes, trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. And the cops just, are like, get back inside and threatening them. Yeah, absolutely. Terrorizing people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty. Um, I I don't know what you do about that. I mean, good thing Chuck. Mm -hmm. case. <laughs> yeah, good thing we have strong leadership. <laughs> uh, good Chuck. Oh, Chuck, looking out for us, but strong Italian leadership from Mancini. <laughs> finally stepped out of that man. I, I I used to make a joke that this man during Trump. Like he just fell into a wardrobe in the Senate building and like escaped to Narnia because I didn't see him or hear him at all. And now he's back, man. So I said it majority leader. Finally stepped out of the wardrobe, Chuck. I mean, Chuck Schumer is like the history of Chuck Schumer is fat. He used to call himself a law and order Democrat in the 90s, and he was a huge proponent of the crime bill. Um, and he himself was, part, I mean, like in all this research I've done on Hal Rogers have found multiple articles where Chuck Schumer has like called for more police officers, more resources for police all throughout the nineties and two thousands. Like he's personally responsible for a lot of this. So. Yeah. As is uncle Joe. As is uncle Joe. Mm -hmm. Um, well, uh, a nice, in a, a nice light note to end on there mm -hmm. um <laughs> we have a patreon if you'd like to go listen to us definitely go check out that episode tom and i did on the kemper power plant patreon episode 101 um there's good stuff over on the patreon like good evergreen content content that doesn't just age within two weeks and <laughs> yeah, yeah. for 24 so hours. Can, yeah. So you can listen to over and over again. Sure. Um, so yeah, we're at Patreon, P A T R E O N.com slash Trillbilly workers party. Are, are we, we're over an hour. I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. So going to be fun to try to edit this one. Um, yeah, and I was recording 10 minutes before the rest of you guys were, so you can <laughs> before we clap the second time. Well, yeah, we got claps 10 minutes of Aaron's solo project. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Our new intro, mostly laughing. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, thanks for listening to the show, everybody. This week, like I said, go over and check us out on Patreon. Um, that's where we'll be uh, next episode. So go check that out, and uh, we'll see you later. Bye. Bye, y'all.